1: Hey folks, and welcome back to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are happy to have you back for part two of our two-part series with Amy Grant and her manager, Jennifer Cook. In this show, Ian helps Amy move down the road to discovering her type. And one of the ways he does this is by using stances as a process of elimination and then determination as well. So it's a really, really helpful episode. I know you're going to enjoy this part, two. Be sure and stick around for the end of the episode where Amy shares a song with us. And hey, don't forget to join our Patreon campaign. You can do so by going to www dot com forward slash T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. That's patreon.com forward slash typology. Select the level at which you'd like to support the show, and you will not only receive our undying love and gratitude, but you're going to get a bunch of great bonus content as well. Even a dollar a month, folks, is a huge, huge help. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. We're going to rejoin Ian's conversation with Amy Grant and Jennifer Cook and now here's the host of our show, Ian Cron.
2: Now, you said something to me, too, that was interesting. That was, as I was listening to you earlier, you said that, that when you went on a stage, though, where you could tell your own stories, right? Tell me, do you remember what you were saying to me earlier? I
3: just said, I don't, I, I love hearing other people talk. I really yes, do, right, and so I don't know what it would be like not having the stage. I've always had the stage, so I've never felt like no one's heard my voice right. because it was just handed mm. to me. and so that need to tell my own story is met every time I introduce a song, or mm. Um, mm. so, yeah, so i don't i mm. i' have, I've always felt heard. But it's like my, so I have three older sisters, and when we are all together, I just remember the pattern of my sister Carol is not quite two years older than I am. And when the four of us are together, unless there's something really specific, Carol and I are mostly listening Mm -hmm. to Kathy and Mimi. And I used to think it was an age thing, but it was just, it wouldn't even be that the subject was that commanding or that. Powerful or whatever—it was just the the stance.
2: Right. So this sounds like they're in an assertive stance, you're in a withdrawn stance. it's a a social style. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is where I go. There's so much wiggle room in all of this because I individually I wouldn't characterize both of those older sisters as necessarily
2: assertive. Right. I don't know them so. Right. But they're more assertive than you are. Let's say.
3: In that setting, that was just the pattern. Right. So it was the it was kind right. of a, a a you know just yeah. the
2: pattern. So you said a couple of other things, and I'm saying this so our people can hear it and uh-huh. and because to help them find their own types, you know. Yeah,
3: this is very helpful. Okay. When cool. you talked about stance.
2: Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So stances are fantastic, and I've now started to teach this the enneagram this way. I start with stances mm-hmm. because it's like I can eliminate six types for you right away. Yeah. Are you a withdrawn assertive or compliant? If you say compliant, throw out the other six numbers because we're going to zero in on those. Right. You know, so, and so you said something on the stage thing though, before we get off that. The reason I love it, and I've seen you perform live a bunch of times, is there you're free to assert yourself mm-hmm. and make your presence known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your presence matters there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's very beautiful. It's my job to show up. It's your job to show up. Yeah. And, um, but it's interesting. Offstage, my experience of you is, that's not, a, that's not a compulsion. Like for three sevens and eights, they come into a space, you feel it. I mean, they just bring this certain big energy. Yes. Right? When a nine walks into a space. Three. what's that i'm becoming more of a three yeah but yeah yeah. well and the thing is well you know what i'll describe maybe in a second what possible tensions there may have been between Mm -hmm. the two of you and possible things because that might actually help (laughs) us find out if you're for sure a 3 we'll come at it sort of sideways in that but you said something earlier to me you said that you you have an airstream you have a hitch on the back of your car Mm -hmm. and you love to camp right i do okay yeah. And so you went, I love that you went to Bonnaroo. You've been to, like, what else did we, we were talking, you just like uh, Virginia, get out.
3: I, I've always, always wanted to bike the uh, Creeper Trail, you know, the Rails oh, right. to Trails, right. and did that two summers ago. And, um, you know, it's my go-to place in my head, even if I don't, if I, even if I can't work it into my schedule. Mm. Like, I'll go... Oh, someday I'm going to go to yeah. this place.
2: Amy, I don't know any other type on the Enneagram who loves nature more than nines. Mm. And that's an, that's not me just making that up here as a personal opinion. That's yeah. widely recognized. Really? Okay. So, ding, ding, ding. We have yeah. a winner. Yeah. Winner, well, winner, chicken dinner. Here's the reason. Yeah. Why? I'm not saying other types don't love outdoors. Right. You know, sevens love adventures. Eight, you know, I'm not, But nines have a particular affection for the outdoors. If it is 10 degrees outside, my wife go, you want to go for a walk? And I'm like... I would rather eat glass mm-hmm. than go for a walk right now. Yeah. She's like, I got to get outside. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And she'll, yeah. she'll bundle up and even the dog doesn't want to go with her. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, she's out there walking <clears throat> and looking at the trees and the sky. Yep. And I think it's this, you are body centered people. You connect to the world from the gut. And it's like, you said something to me on the way over here in the car, you went, uh, grass in the face, grass in the face, grass in the face. Do do you remember this in the car ride over? Yes, because we were talking
3: about writing. Yes. And, and I, what 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 were you telling me? I said, when I listen to my children right. tell stories, they do it from a more narrative perspective, right? as though they can see themselves in that. I was walking up the stairs, and they called my name. I turned around, and I had this such-and-such such look on my face. Right. And I referenced something that I had written. I said, if I'm the animal running through a field... I don't have an aerial view of myself. Right. My experience is of running is grass in the face, grass in the face.
2: Yes, I love that story, by the way, because it speaks to this kind of body centeredness mm-hmm. and this kind of like in the moment centeredness. And um, you all have, I think, particularly in nature, this gut world. It's just gut world. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's like all in the body, gut world, and like, um, and you guys are action people. So twos, threes, and fours, uh, when they meet the world, it's through the lens of feelings first. When uh, five, sixes, and sevens meet the world, it's through the brain or thinking first, right, before anything else. If you're an eight, nine, or one, it's all from the gut first. It's like this boom, like, you know, um, from the hip. You know, and that's what you were describing earlier when it's like, yeah, pick up the phone and, you know, you just act. You right. will act first, mm-hmm. not think and feel first. Yep. You'll act, and then you're you'll you know you'll um, think and feel in the aftermath of acting, and then maybe five seconds later, maybe five hours later. But your first instinct would be to act first. Does that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, mm-hmm. um, so you're laughing. What's so funny? Just is this? Is this <laughs>
3: just enjoying my inner monologue <laughs> ah!
2: okay so you did something in the car right over to or when we were out here talking in the parking lot in the car okay that i was like hmm we were talking and then i was saying something and you went down like this and you your eyes went to the floor and you got this sort of far what i call the um sort of the gaze into the middle distance it's like this sort of you be talking and suddenly you're just like oh And it's almost like a little bit of a zone out. Sometimes I'll see a nine. My wife does it. My daughter does it. I see nines do this all the time. They'll be talking to you, and then they might go, (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had this experience, Jennifer? A few times. (laughs) Engaged, 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 and then it's sort of like it gets this fuzzy space place, right? And it's the nine going up into what we call the inner sanctum. And they've gone, they've kind of retreated a little bit up into here and they're thinking. Do they ever leave the meeting you're having? <laughs> oh, uh, no.
3: You're like, wait, we were just.
2: Yes. Oh, well, yes, yes. Now.
3: Does nobody else do that?
2: Not like a nine. Yeah. Not like a nine. We're going to have to talk N-nines about Nines can go into. Well, especially if, if a nine's not, not having done some work, they can really mm-hmm. become spacey. And people will perceive them sometimes as being spacey. Um, mm-hmm. Or a little dis- Dissociated at times, you know, checking out. So it's like, look, like, nines, I'm going to tell you all about nines in a second, right? Eights have more energy on the Enneagram than any other number. Of all the numbers on the Enneagram, the one that has the least amount of stamina is nines. That doesn't mean they're lazy, it doesn't mean that they don't have a l- energy. I'm just saying they're a very calm, easygoing, laid back presence in the world. When they get going on something, there's no stopping them. But they do suffer from inertia. If you stop them, it's hard to get them up and going again in the process. Oh, Jennifer's holding her back. <laughs> you got any stories? or it's why stop. You, 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 you can stop. break no. in a story anytime you want. But once you stop them, like, like when she goes off the road, I mean, oh. when she works hard on the road, she doesn't it's stop, right? anybody, yeah. When she stops, how hard is it to get it back going again? Yeah, it takes. <laughs> Jennifer's thinking, do I want to tell the truth or do I want to keep my job? Do no. I want to tell the yeah, truth? No, no. I... No.
3: But I, I think of it as just that I – put my energy yeah you're never you're never not
2: doing something
3: you're always stick in the middle zone Mm -mm. but i do i had a flashback of being a kid and Mm -hmm. my next door neighbor like being called a space cadet when i was a kid i Mm -hmm. haven't thought about that in Mm -hmm. ages yeah but like
2: she would lose her head if i wasn't wasn't screwed onto her body Mm -hmm. Well, it's because sometimes y'all wander off in your head, mm-hmm. uh-huh, like and, sure. and your your communication style for a nine is called what we call epic saga. So sometimes you'll start a story and it'll just keep going, and it'll and sometimes <laughs> you'll start a a line of conversation and other people like a three. This would drive you crazy, Jennifer, because you are right to the point. Like we have got stuff to do, get to <laughs> the point. And you may start and the and the story goes like this, or the line of reason goes like that. All right? It, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you're and it takes a lot of detours before sometimes a nine will get to the point. Yes. Right? Versus um, a one or a five or different numbers where it's like, boom, bang, let's get this communication right. across, right? Um, so there is a quality. Let me put it this way. You don't have laser-like attention. You would have diffuse attention, and meaning your attention would go out in every direction, which is kind of why you like nature. Um. You see interconnectedness in everything. You see how things connect spiritually, uh in every cosmically. You know what I mean? It's like in a way that threes yeah. don't or sevens don't. Like your attention uh takes in everything. Okay? Whereas Jennifer, your attention would be much more laser focused. That's why she needs me. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, no, this is exactly no. right. Yeah. And by <clears> the <throat> way,
2: this is what makes Uh, I've said this to Anthony before that all the best songwriters I know are nines. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that you all, more than any other type, remember you're perched at the very top of the Enneagram, which means that you kind of have an unobstructed view of the whole landscape Mm -hmm. versus every other type. And nines are known for being able to see the world through the lens of every type on the Enneagram, which is the reason you're called the mediators or the peacemakers, it's like you can find the middle ground anywhere. You can bring opposing sides that don't even look like they could possibly be reconciled and bring them to the middle and make it work out the peace pact.
3: My husband will say if, if there's a conflict somewhere, but especially if it's something that he's come up against, I'll take a breath. Like I'm going to say something and he'll go, don't pull for the underdog. Oh, and I'll go. Yep. I'm not, <laughs> I'm yep. not pulling. Yeah. I'm not pulling. I'm just. I'm just like uh, bringing to light, right, a different perspective. Mm-hmm.
2: You will always be able to do that. You will always be able to bring the perspective of every other person in the room, and you actually deeply care about the perspectives. You want to include everybody in the room oh. in the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, Jennifer, I have a question for you. Yes. What is it in your relationship with Amy, 30 years, right? Um, what do you wish that she knew and believed about herself that she doesn't? Hmm. You've been so affirming
3: to me for 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Oh, well, but it's all true.
0: She, talking about the underdog and how she roots for the underdog. Right. I think a lot of times she, we've talked about that just with your writing and stuff, she will want to tell other people's stories. She's very, she does tell her own story on stage or whatever, but right. it's kind of because the moment calls for it. But her stories, her insight, her experience, I, you know, sit on planes with her and drive and do whatever and I hear it, but she's less likely to tell those on a grander scale. She she lifts up other people's stories mm-hmm. more than her own. And I, that's one thing I would love to see right. change. Because I think her life experience, her spiritual experience, the right. ups, the downs, all of that are, they're beautiful and they've been life-changing for me. So to hear about them and to witness them. So that's
4: one mm. thing.
2: Yeah, I think, um, but what do you think of that, Amy?
3: Um you don't have to agree. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's curious. Yeah.
2: Because even though you've had a platform and a voice in the world, a significant one, where anyone would say, "Well, gosh, you know, your presence really matters." And Jennifer, it sounds like you're saying that you spend a lot of time lifting other people's up or cuz you even said to me earlier today that you don't necessarily particularly want to be Noticed or recognized in general, right, just in general I just love
3: I love flying under the radar
2: yes, that's what you mm-hmm. said to me
3: yes,
4: yeah. that but is, I just to yeah. me
3: it's just an efficient use of energy mm-hmm. that is what that's what it feels like flying under the radar is you know you're you're not um you have energy for the experience of life. You have energy for the experience that you are either in or wanting to create or wanting to include or even if it's solo. And to me, telling your story involves a certain amount of presentation. Mm. And I think that sometimes the presentation is not the reality. And why tell it if it's not the reality? You know, so, I mean, to all that's kind of –
2: most nines I know are, are very very real mm-hmm. like they are not so twos threes and fours are the most image conscious numbers on the Enneagram they tend to project images more than the other six mm-hmm. types nines first of all if I ever needed someone to lie for me in court I would never ask my wife to do it they are the worst nines are the worst liars in the world <laughs> because they're they're pretty guileless in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and um, you're a nines are what you see is what you get people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't you know, like, like I have to sometimes tell my wife, "Honey, can you go out and buy some clothes and wear some jewelry tonight?" Because you know, because it doesn't dawn on her. Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> my, <laughs> I have a friend, and I
3: anyway. I was starting to spend some time with Vince. This was years ago, and she came to me and she said, "I know you feel really pretty on the inside, <laughs> but you could do with a little effort to the outside." Right.
2: Like, I have to, if yep. if I say to my wife, why don't you go get, go to a spa for a day or something, get, treat yourself, Mm-mm. would not yeah. even right. occur to her that I could do that. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's not in her, she'd rather go for the walk. She'd rather go to the, um, you know, do something else, but it wouldn't occur to her. And I have to tell her, well, you know, you do matter enough to go do those things. And she goes, oh, I guess so. And, you know, but, yeah. and, and. But if I went and did it, she would never object, right? I'd go. I mean, I don't.
3: But this is where it's weird because I, it, I don't. There's nothing in me that thinks I don't matter. Mm-hmm. But it, can't that be the healthy part? Like you've done enough
0: work that you know you you matter. But your sure. default, like when you travel or we go, so we've stayed in some fabulous places. But I've also traveled with people that we get there and they're like, "All right, I'm getting a such and such." At you know, ten a.m. Right. seaweed wrap, and and you're much more. Let's go take a walk. Let's go, or right. Right. you don't do that stuff. It, that's not what occurs to you to do with your time. Yeah, but right. it's not because I think you don't oh, think you would deserve. It. You don't. Yeah. It's not that. It's just other things occur to you. Yeah, not yeah. pampering.
2: Sometimes nine self forget. Do You know what I mean? They they, they just sort of self forget in terms of investing in themselves. You know, they'll invest in lots of other people. They'll do that. But in terms of investing into themselves, they sort of sometimes have to be reminded of it. Like, take some time to do this for yourself or, you know, take some time to read. It's like, it's not as natural to nines as other types to do that stuff.
3: That does not ring true to me.
2: Okay. Well, mean, it rings true for me,
3: for you. Oh!
4: <laughs>
0: oh I'm oh. So sorry, but it totally does. Okay,
2: why, why do you say that? And uh, this is why it's awesome you're here because yeah. actually having a dear friend when yes. you're doing enneagram work right is so helpful because we're not transparent to ourselves right yeah and none so of us it's none yeah. of us yeah. so it's like to have another person go uh you know kind of right so what are, what do you
0: well I mean you know because we work together and we're dear friends I see both sides of her life and yeah. and there'll be times where you'll say hey I want to you know let's take this time off the road to just be home and who you know cook dinner do what have you and so I do I kind of retreat from the work world but then as an observer I watch your life and she says yes to this person and yes to that person and this and that and I'm I the me the protective side wants to go no put boundaries up do the thing you said you wanted to do yes that you but it's not that you're not loving what you're doing But the part of you that said, I need to just be home or not have things on my calendar doesn't tend to hold. Yeah. It ends up. And so there's times where I go, this is so interesting because I'm like going, no, really hold it. Right. I think it would be good. But then it's just an – it's – Well – but you do, you're doing what you love to do. Yeah. And, and to me,
3: that feels very self-indulgent to me. So I exactly. don't feel like I'm – I. it feels like I am indulging that thing that I love to do. It's just not what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So to me, time off is really just getting to – without a schedule enjoy where the day takes me for okay. several days in a row right. or a week and so it's not a matter of going these are the things I want but um like I love not having a schedule yes I love yes. just going sure
2: mhm so you you said something earlier which I thought was really interesting you said you Especially early in your career, obviously, you always put in situations where you had to adapt, but I just assume mean- that
3: mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm adapting because well, I guess everybody has to do that with life
2: well, you were told where to go mm-hmm. what time to be on stage what to what time to be on the bus I mean, you know what I mean, like you were right. in situations I would imagine where yeah, right?
3: what I was mostly thinking is um. And I wanted to be those places. Mm-hmm. I wanted to travel. I wanted to sing my songs. I wanted to... I loved being moved by music. Mm. And I, I loved being a part of creating music and providing music. But, like, for instance, the tonight you're meeting 100 people and then the show. And so going, right, whew, okay. Whew. So that kind of schedule, the meeting of 100 people... That would happen to me was like sort of an extraordinary experience of people Mm. and so to me whenever I say adapting I mean this doesn't this isn't like this feels atypical to the human experience Mm -hmm. to meet a hundred people that are each coming with very intentional conversation you feel a lot of energy coming from them Mm -hmm. and so unless you're going to be rude you receive that Attention and you respond. Right. And so to me, that was an adaptation. I don't know if I had that skill set or not as a child, but I got it real fast. Yeah. And so whatever spaciness, you know, right. there wasn't room for that. Right. So that to me was an adaptation. And another thing would be, um, we would like for you to come participate in our event. Right. And so then you land, but the landing, when you're a part of somebody else's agenda. And you are what people have paid. You're the paid part of the agenda. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like you have landed, however gracefully or stealthily or whatever, but you're in, a, you're in an unfamiliar landscape. And so you're trying to figure out the dynamics of the people there, what's their agenda, what they want you to do, and then you deliver.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Whatever that is. And mm-hmm. That all of that is thrilling to me.
2: They're mm-hmm. very natural to a nine.
3: Yes, a- and also, um, well, I, I I was a host of a TV show, and my favorite thing was the producer would say, "Okay, we've got these four stories, these ongoing stories. You need to pull them all together, and it's going to be at such and such event, and we it needs to be done in three and a half minutes." Mm. And I mean, that was like the happy dance to me. Really. Yes. No script. Hallelujah. How fast? Now, who is it? Okay. And if we can wrap it up in a song, even better. That's like, I need you to make soup. I'm not sure what leftovers are in the refrigerator, but there's at least garlic and onions and a few starches and lots of bouillon. And it was like, I can't. Nothing was better because I didn't even know what it was going to be. It was just going to be something.
2: Right. That's all like that sort of from be the something. gut yeah. thing. You know, it's like mm. sort of responding to life with that. It's yeah. beautiful. That. Yeah. Okay. Gut. You're right. Mm. So let me just ask just a couple more questions. So um, we're 58, both 58. Yes. Um, and so we've been around, this, you know, we've been around the block. Oh, yeah. Just in terms of life, suffering. Yeah. seen some stuff. How um, have you historically dealt with anger? And I mean anger, anger, mm-hmm. disappointment, rage, let's go even you know what I mean like yeah, has that been is that yeah, just tell me what your relationship to anger has been like in your life?
3: um, I think that because my parents were both very reserved, I think I probably stuffed a lot of I didn't have um m- role models for expressing anger mm. and so um, probably. In hindsight, I would say that I experienced some ongoing and fairly like low grade depression mm-hmm. really from the my late teens on and I really think it was just not knowing how to process disappointment or something or even anger. you know, I went through a divorce, and we were not we weren't really screamers, but um I think as I got older, I realized how important it was to be able to just, like, I love when no one's in the house. And I might just have pent up something and to just scream, Mm. just feel so good, just like scream and then think, I think neighbors can hear this. So then going into a closet and screaming, 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 and then it just, that feels good.
2: Mm. Yeah. So anger, you know, that eight, nine ones is they're called the gut triad sometimes, but they're also called the anger triad because eights like when you're around an eight, you can feel the anger radiating off and it all externalizes out. It all mm. goes out from them. Okay. Okay. You can like, you feel this energy really I mean, uh-huh. physically almost pouring out. Once the, the anger goes inward and it, what they experience it as is you'll hear that critical inner voice and Mm. it gets directed inward. Anger, right? For nines, anger goes to sleep. They're a little out of touch with their anger, Mm. which is why sometimes they don't have enough stamina is because the good side of anger that gives you that ugh thing can make them a little less energetic, right, than other people who are more in touch. So if, if eights are plugged into that 240 volt like <laughs> thing behind your dryer
3: yeah yeah and
2: everybody else is at 120 regular plugs sometimes nines are sort of at a hundred you, you know what I mean or they don't sure. they kind of hum on a lower level but nines tend to be a sleeper like unaware of their anger and yet they are as angry as eights but typically it comes out passive aggressively so how does, the, like, how does that resonate with you, what I just said? Like how anger comes out sideways sometimes with a nine, like with stubbornness. Or, yes. oh, is that a...
3: Stubbornness, yes. And I think, I think maybe in, er, yeah, I just think my younger right. self, it would come out more in detachment. Yes. But that is, there's just less, the more responsibility you have. Right. That doesn't. You don't want to be detached, mm-hmm. but I I would say, and I think my anger came out as distrust. Mm. When you say, mm-hmm. I don't even know how, like stubbornness. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm positive I'm stubborn, but, but
2: quietly stubborn. Like sometimes w- the way that the the anger comes out passive aggressively is instead of saying, oh Jennifer, I'm really mad about this. It's it may be more like. Um, Jeffrey may say, well, will you do this, that, and the next thing? And you'll be looking at her, and you won't disagree. You won't even look like necessarily like you're agreeing or disagreeing. You're just – and she's going to think you're agreeing. Yes, I will do those things. But you have no intention of doing those things. And, and, you know, you may sometimes feel like you're tapping the brakes a little bit, you know, on things that you just don't want to do. But you may not go into the fight because you want to avoid conflict in as much as is possible.
3: Yeah, some things you said and I've gone, yes, yes, yes. That doesn't, I don't. I don't, don't, that doesn't. That doesn't resonate with me. uh, Okay. That, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I think we had to, one of the
0: things, I think, in our working relationship and friendship that I felt was really healthy for her, which ended up being really healthy for me, is when she finally you know, because there were other managers prior to me. I was a part of the team for the first 10 years and, you know, pretty much doing it for the last 20, but there was this youthful willingness, and I think you said earlier, from the time you were a teenager, you were part of someone's fiscal year, like the main part of their fiscal year. There was no saying no right. without it having a lot of dominoes to fall. And mm-hmm. and um and so i been more of an observer back then. I just think there was a part of you that I don't you're not resentful there was just a part of you that would reframe things that's the one of the things you've said that be like okay well wasn't maybe what I, how I was planning to spend the whole spring but yeah no I'll get on a bus here we go you know and she would reframe it for the positive and you would find ways to make it like oh this is awesome let's go but over time mm-hmm. I felt like an our working relationship when you would say no to something if i came to it thinking no she needs to say yes to this this is like a really good opportunity this is a we would get into a thing where i would try to i guess probably guilt her into doing it or convince her and we would we talked about shame like i would try to right. shame her into doing it and the i remember the very first time you pushed back on that and it was a really awkward conversation but it has been life-changing for yes. me because it un, it made me see, oh, my gosh, I do that. Like I yeah. – I, in a lot of relationships, I have a certain level of power or something that can get people sure. to do what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And when she pushed back against that and being how important she is to me and how much I respect her, it was like – First, it was so hard to hear. I mean, it was like, "I what? No, I don't." And the, but it was like always, "Yes, you do. Yes, you do," <laughs> to myself. <laughs> yeah. to, but I feel like we worked through that, mm-hmm. and now I don't know. It doesn't. I don't feel even when the work thing might go crazy, you'll say how you feel, or we talk about a schedule, and she'll say like, "I don't want to want to be home this year. I've got two girls getting married, and Karina's graduating, mm-hmm. and she's."
2: And that's age too. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm you know. saying. I think we've kind of.
3: Yeah. Well, and and also, when you talk about passive aggressive, I don't I don't Ooh. think I'm that.
2: Well, uh-huh. don't take that necessarily in the complete negative sense of the word. In other words, because nines aren't as tapped into that anger thing. Sometimes, and yeah, well, it just comes out uh, less aggressively, um, and. Stubbornness is a big one for them. I mean, honestly, I know I've already said it, but yeah. it's like you'll tell nine, and nine will give you a look like they're agreeing with you to do something, and then but there's a certain level of resistance inside that doesn't get expressed. You know, like I really don't want to do that, <laughs> and I might make it very difficult to get this car up a hill. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you know, through you know, you know, what you to do is just think on it, because seriously, yeah. sometimes it takes. More contemplation and pondering to go because I've had things about fours. I'm like two weeks later. Someone, oh my gosh, I totally do that. Yeah,
3: yeah. But it
2: takes a while for it to kind of sink in for me. Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up. But you know, we've spent we've had breakfast since nine o'clock. This been this has been the most wonderful day I've had since nine until two o'clock with you today. It's Mm -hmm. been fantastic. Let's do it again. Um, You got a song for us?
4: I can. Yeah.
2: All right. So so let's bring it.
3: I'll get a guitar and then I'll figure out what I'm gonna play.
2: Let's have it. What song are you going to play?
3: Somewhere Down the Road. Oh,
4: I love that song. So much pain and no good reason why You cried till the tears run dry Oh, and nothing here can make you understand The one thing you held so dear Is slipping from your hands And you say Why, why, why Does it go this way And why, why, why All I can say Is somewhere down the road there'll be answers to the questions and somewhere down the road though we cannot see it now somewhere down the road you will find mighty arms reaching for you oh and they will hold the answers at the end of the road Yesterday I thought I'd seen it all I thought I'd climbed the highest wall Oh, but now I see the learning never ends And all I know to do is keep on walking Walking round the bend Saying, why, why, why does it go this way? And why, why, why? And all I can say is somewhere down the road there'll be answers to the questions. And somewhere down the road, though we cannot see it now, Somewhere down the road You will find mighty arms Reaching for you Oh, and they will hold the answers At the end of the road Yeah, they will hold the answers At the end of this road Gotta keep on walking Somewhere down this lonely road
2: Sung by a nine (laughs) Amy Grant, thank you so much for gracing our studio today. And Jennifer for joining your pal. And uh, man, what a treat. What a treat. I got to have breakfast through lunch today with you. And love me them nines. <laughs> love me them nines. Typology listeners, once again, thank you so much for your your kindness. You're listening. All 400,000 of you who are out there, we're delighted that you're part of our family. And remember, each and every one of you. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken.